Go with me to Second John, would you please? Open your Bibles, go with me to the letter of Second John. We've been reminded in our brief study here in Second John that the Bible teaches that we are commanded to believe. You may not have thought about the belief being commanded, but the Bible teaches us that we are commanded to believe the truth, the truth of God's Word, and, and we are commanded to obey, obey the truth. And we have been seeing here, as we saw in, in the letter of 1 John, we've been seeing here in 2 John, that one of the ways that we obey the truth is by loving one another. Led by the truth, according to the truth of the Scriptures. We love one another. We are learning to love one another. We don't always get this right, do we? Just look at your own family. As I think about my own relationship with my family and how often I fail to love my family as I should. I fail to love my wife as I should. I fail to love my children as I should. And I know that this is true for us in the body of Christ, in the church, in the family of God. Sometimes we have a hard time loving each other. And yet we have this reminder again and again as we come to the Word that one of the ways that we're showing that we're believing God's Word and obeying God's Word is is how we're growing in our love for one another. And we ought not take that lightly or or consider that a small thing. That's a, a big thing. That's really important. We saw this our last time. Here, as we noted in verses 5 and 6, that growing believers in Jesus Christ walk according to the truth. You'll walk a certain way. You'll walk a certain direction. You walk according to the truth. Believers in Jesus Christ live lives that are being shaped by the Bible. To walk according to the truth means that your life is being guided by the truth, being shaped by the truth of God's Word. It means you want your thinking, your speech, your conduct, your work, your activities, your family life, and friendships. You want them all to be shaped and guided by the Bible. You might wonder why, why the emphasis on this? Why, why make this such a big deal? Why is being guided by the truth necessary? Why is this so important? Why do you keep coming back to this? <laughs> pastor Kevin, I'm no longer your pastor, but I'll call myself that one more time. How's that? Why, why Kevin, do you keep saying that we need to be guided by, directed by, we need to shape our lives by the truth? Why is the truth so important? I'm going to give you two reasons Two very important reasons. The first is drawn from what we've seen in the text already here in Second John. The second reason we'll see in the verses which we'll be looking at shortly. Here's reason number one. For being certain your life is lived according to the truth, guided by the truth. And this is true of every one of you. There are no exceptions in this room, myself included. Here's reason number one. You must have diligently uh, diligently given yourself and be giving yourselves to pursuing the truth of God's Word. None of us are excluded with this. You are prone to drift away from the truth. You are prone to drift away from the truth rather than toward the truth. Each one of you is prone to resist the truth rather than seek to be guided by the truth. 
That's because of the old sin nature that you're still doing battle with. You're still dealing with. Even if you're a believer in Jesus, you still sin. Living by the truth could be compared to paddling a canoe or a kayak upriver. Early this summer, I took our son Nicholas for a day-long kayak trip on the Tequamanan River in the Upper Peninsula. It was a fun day together. Celebrating a little bit early, his 18th birthday, he was going to turn 18 in the middle of the summer, and he was going to be at Barakal all summer, and so we went, he and I, on a little trip. Strange like we are, we asked to be put in upriver so that we could be picked up downriver. Because when you go on kayak and canoe trips, you you like to be put in downriver so that you can paddle upriver, right? Who does that unless you're training for some kind of a canoe or a kayak race, right? Maybe if you're those guys who who race the Osaba River uh, starting out in Grayling, maybe you you paddle downriver and then you paddle back upriver, or maybe you do it the other way around if you're training. But but nobody gets put in downriver so that they can paddle upriver, right? I, I'm sure that if Nicholas and I had showed up up north, they, not only they were looking at us kind of strange because we're trolls, right? We live under the bridge. We were up in the UP. Uh, they look at us a little bit weird when we get up there. They would have really looked at us weird if we just said, no, no, don't put us in upriver. Put us in downriver and then pick us up. You know, they would have said, nobody does that. Paddling upriver is not easy, is it? It's not natural, as it was for us. The river was very calm. It was a beautiful day, and paddling downriver was a breeze. In fact, we finished a lot earlier than we probably should have because we were enjoying paddling downriver. Drifting with the current. If we had done that, that would have been fun too, but it would have taken a little longer. But drifting with the current takes no effort at all. All you have to do is just try to keep your, your kayak straight or your canoe straight. Paddling upriver, that takes effort. It's the same when it comes to being shaped and led by God's truth, being led by the Bible. Believers in Jesus and Christian churches don't gravitate toward the truth. Living living according to the truth is not something you, you naturally gravitate toward. Living according to the truth and leading a church according to the truth will not happen unless deliberate effort is given. Deliberate effort given to teaching, to knowing, to thinking, to speaking, and practicing the truth of God's word. Otherwise, all believers and all Christian churches naturally drift downriver away from the truth. There are many places of worship today who call themselves churches who I don't believe align themselves with the biblical definition of a church these days because at one point or another they began to drift from the truth and never looked back. Your natural tendency is to slide away from the truth and not toward the truth. That's why the Bible speaks of being deliberate, being intentional in your pursuit of a life lived by the truth when it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Bible says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Many years ago, while helping build a house, I, I'm not much of a carpenter. I wasn't then. I'm not now. I can do a little bit and probably know enough to be dangerous. But at that time, I was even less knowledgeable about carpentry than I am now. And, and I had a nail in one hand and a hammer in the other. And 
oh man, I missed the nail big time and hammered my thumb quite badly and the pain was serious and instantly a great big pool of blood began to build up under that thumbnail on my left hand and it hurt. If, if you've done that, you know the pain associated with the pressure that builds up under a thumbnail that you hammer with a, with a, a blow to that thumb. We had a friend who was a nurse and she said, I can take a big needle and heat it up and puncture that nail and release the pressure of the blood and in, in the throbbing pain will go. It'll still hurt, but it won't hurt anywhere near as bad. At that moment, I wanted to run from the truth. <laughs> I'm looking at the needle for one thing and I'm thinking about that hot needle pressing through and she's going to press through that. And she's kind of mischievous person anyway, and I kind of wondered, am I, is she, yeah, she being honest with me? But I, but I, I, she's a Christian, so I thought, well, she's not going to lie to me. She's going to tell me the truth, and, and she's got my best interest at heart. She's a nurse, and so she wants to do good, and, and so my tendency, having been squeamish about the truth, I decided to move toward the truth, and I let her pierce that thumbnail with, uh, I won't give any more details, but, it felt a lot better afterwards. It was quite painful during the process, but afterwards I felt a lot better. Sometimes the truth hurts. So you tend to shy away from it. Sometimes you might believe the Bible is going to tell you to do something that you think is going to be painful, and so you tend to shy away from it. In the culture that we live in, There is all kinds of pressure being put on the church to shy away from the church. Otherwise, it will be painful if you don't. But the truth is what you need. The culture that we live in needs the truth. The culture needs you living according to the truth, showing them that God changes people who abide by his truth and dwell in the truth. Paul warned Timothy about this tendency for all people to drift from the truth when he wrote to him in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Preach the word. Be ready. In season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. A drift away from the truth is never immediate. It's often subtle. It's very often difficult to detect. And you will more easily drift away from the truth rather than toward the truth. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I remind you that you have great hope You have the Holy Spirit living in you. There is great reason for joy and hope and confidence in Christ because He has given you His Holy Spirit to indwell you, to help you as you read the Bible for yourself, as you put yourself before the teaching and proclamation of the truth of God's Word to obey the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit takes the Word that you take in and puts it to work in your life. As you submit your life to the Bible, God takes the Word by way of the work of the Holy Spirit and changes your thinking from selfish and worldly thinking 
until it's taken the shape of Christ-like biblical thinking. So being guided by the truth is absolutely necessary because of your tendency to drift away from the truth. That's reason number one. Reason number one, that you need to be certain that you are living your life according to the truth. Here's reason number two. Reason number two for being certain your life is lived according to the truth and guided by the truth. You need to be certain that you're moving toward the truth, not drifting away from it, that you're yielding to the truth, obeying because because of this reason, because there will be deceivers. There will be deceivers. Whether they are people or books or internet posts or movies or recordings, there will be deceivers. There will be those who will deceive you into thinking what you're getting is truth, who come along to lead you away from the truth. This is Satan's way, of course. The Bible tells us that Satan is a liar. He's a liar from the beginning. And so he uses lies and deception to lead you away from the truth. That's the warning that we see here in verses 7 and 8. And those are the verses that we're going to spend the rest of our time in this morning. Look at the Bible as I read these two verses here in 2 John, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. There are people, whether in writing or in speaking, whose teaching will make you think you are hearing the truth, but you will be misled You will be deceived. And verse 7 isn't the only place the Bible warns of these false teachers. There are many times we see in the Bible when Jesus and his apostles warned about false teachers. I could give you probably 10 or 12 that I I looked up this week that I'm, I'm not going to share for the sake of time. But I'm just going to share two. In fact, two from Jesus himself. Such as Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount Matthew 7 and verse 15, the Bible says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And then in his discourse on Mount Olivet, Matthew 24 and verse 11, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Those are just a couple of the warnings about deceivers that have come and will come. So John says in verse 7, here in Second John, look at it again, verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. That's similar to what we heard from John back in 1 John 4 and verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So how can you spot false teachers? How will you know when what you're hearing is not truth? It's seen in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. Picking up after that first phrase. 
for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. How can you spot false teachers? It's seen there in verse 7. It's exposed this way. It's seen most often in a faulty, unbiblical view of who Jesus is. It's seen in a denial of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It's seen in a denial of the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And deceivers and antichrists and their false teaching are still plentiful today. You don't have to turn far or look very far to find teaching that will try to convince you that Jesus didn't come in human flesh. Well, he was, he was a man that lived, but he wasn't the God-man. Some false teaching will teach that Jesus was a man that walked on earth and died and was buried, but didn't really rise from the dead. Didn't really conquer the grave and death and hell and sin. So watch yourselves, says verse 8. Watch yourselves. And and the idea here, it's a pretty strong idea. In fact, it's an imperative. It's a, a very strong be on guard. Watch yourselves. Be alert. Take this seriously is the idea. Just summed up in two words. Watch yourselves. Why? Verse 8, look at it again. So that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Watch yourselves, says John. Several times on one occasion, Jesus also uses similar language, warning about the perils of being led into false teaching. It's in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 13 and verse 5. Jesus says, see that no one leads you astray. In verse 9, but be on your guard. In verse 23, but be on guard. In verse 33, be on guard. Keep awake. Be on guard. Keep awake. Be alert. Watch yourselves. Why? Watch yourselves so that you are not deceived. Now, there are a couple of things that can happen. You might wonder, what, what's the danger of being deceived? Well, there's many. There's a couple, I think, that are very important that, that I can think of. What, what can happen if you're deceived and led away from the truth? For one, you likely will lead others from the truth also. You will likely lead others away from the truth also. John says in verse 8, So that you may not lose what we have worked for. What had they worked for? I think he's thinking about what they had taught. They had been teaching the truth. They had been teaching God's word. They had been teaching the truth of God's word. And they had worked toward mutual love for one another. This is the theme that we see in 1 John. It's a, a repeating theme we see in 2 John. This mutual love for one another in a church and obedience to the truth. So they had worked together to lead others into the truth so that others would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and so that disciples would be made and people would grow up in Christ and, and love one another and, and be light and, and salt in the world that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. They had worked together to lead others into the truth and is in the truth as they live the truth. So for people who are led away from the truth, there's a risk of leading others away also. And, and John says... And be on guard against this so that you may not lose what we have worked for. I think about the investment 
in the lives of hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of people that the people of First Baptist Church have invested in over the years that this church has been in existence with the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not time to depart from the truth now. It is time to remain fast and stand firm in the truth of God's Word no matter what the culture does. Believe and obey God's Word so that you do not lead others astray, so that you do not lose what we have worked for. The second thing that happens when you fail to follow and obey the truth, seen here in verse 8, is a loss of reward. A loss of reward, John says, but may win a full reward. What's a full reward? Note that he does not say that all reward is lost. But the implication is is that there is loss of some reward. Ultimate eternal reward, I think, is what he has in mind. But I can also think of present reward. The present reward of a believer in this life is the peace and joy and contentment found only in faith in, in Jesus Christ and obedience to his word. And God will not allow you to be a happy, joyful sinner who refuses to obey his word. There's a loss, I think, in the present tense. A loss of reward here and now because you cannot be happy in Christ if you're not believing and obeying his truth. But I think he's, more than anything else, pointing to the ultimate eternal reward of the follower of Jesus Christ. There is eternal life for the believer in Jesus Christ. You do not lose eternal life. You do not lose forgiveness of sins. But there is an indicator here that there are rewards for those who who are obedient to Christ in this life. Believers in Jesus are secure in Christ, yes, secure in their salvation in Christ. Praise God. They have no cause for concern about losing their salvation Because salvation is not of their own doing. Salvation is the doing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang about that this morning. We're reminded of that truth here in 2 John, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who who earns your salvation through his shed blood. It's your faith in him that gives you that life. It's how you receive that gift. So you need not fret or be concerned that the loss of reward is loss of eternal life or forgiveness of sins. It's not that. Because it's Jesus who saves by his sacrificial death on the cross. It's Jesus who we will remember this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper. So failure to follow the truth, allowing yourself to be led away from the truth, and in turn leading others from the truth does not mean a loss of salvation. It does not mean a loss of forgiveness of sins. But it does mean loss of reward. And I think sometimes we just do not think in eternal terms. We only think in the here and now. We have a hard time picturing what's a loss of reward in eternity going to look like. And John doesn't tell us. But we do need to take this seriously. For some who are led away from the truth and lead others away also... There's also this. This could be an indicator that that person who is leading people away from the truth, who might be saying they're a believer, but not living according to the truth, may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. They may have never trusted in Jesus Christ and in Him alone for their salvation. So leading others from the truth could indicate that you are not a believer yourself. But believers in Jesus can look forward to reward, yes. And we have this reminder that that helps give us a little picture of this 
In God's eternal kingdom, Revelation 11 and verse 18 points to the rewarding of God's servants when the Bible says, The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great. So there is reward for God's children eternal reward, but there is the risk of some loss of reward of the judgment if you lead others astray because you are not following the truth yourself. That might have been a question. How do I keep from leading others astray? Follow the truth yourself. Obey God's truth. Pursue the truth of God's word. You will not lead others astray. And so John warns, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. Watch yourselves. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard your life. You must seek to be guided by the truth. If I can talk to parents here, moms and dads, it is your role in the household to lead your children in the truth so that they will not be misled because Satan would love to come alongside and lead them away from the truth. fellow by the name of J.C. Ryle. He was a minister who wrote at great length to encourage people in the church to pursue strong and serious Christian living. I love the writing of J.C. Ryle. If you come across it, pick it up and read it, whatever it is. Whatever he's written is very worthwhile and worth your time. J.C. Ryle lived in the 1800s and he wrote these words warning his church warning them of the impending danger of being led astray, failing to be led by the Word of God, failing to be led by the truth of the Bible, failing to follow the truth and obey the truth. He he says this, Of all the burdens which Paul had to carry, none seems to have weighed him down so much as that to which he refers when he writes to the Corinthians, my concern for all the churches. The scanty knowledge of many early Christians, their weak faith, their shallow experience, their dim hope, their standard of holiness, their low standard of holiness, all these things made them peculiarly liable to be led astray by false teachers and to depart from the faith. This is written in the 1800s. Not much has changed. Sadly, many, many of us could be guilty of having a scanty knowledge of the truth. He goes on, like little children, hardly able to walk. They required to be treated with immense patience, like exotic plants in a hothouse. They had to be watched with incessant care. Can we doubt that they kept their apostolic founder in a state of constant tender anxiety? Can we wonder that he says to the Colossians, how much I am struggling for you? And to the Galatians, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So J.C. Ryle wrote, to warn his church that they must know and be led by the Bible because he knew that there were and would continue to be false teachers. And we have no less reason today for concern. 
If anything, false teachers are a lot easier to find. There are many trivial things for us to pursue these days, aren't there? And I mean trivial. And I am attracted by them also. We can spend our days pursuing trivial things. But a pursuit of the truth of God's word is not a trivial thing. It is an essential thing. It is essential for God's people to pursue the truth. We are so easily amused. We are far too easily satisfied with a with a spiritual status quo that we feel like maybe we've gotten to a certain point where we don't need to read the Bible anymore. I'll go to church, but I don't have time for the Bible. I've read it before. And we forget that the Bible is not like any other book. We forget God's Word who promises to take the sharp two-edged sword of the Word and pierce our souls with it. To do the work that He alone can do as we humble ourselves before His Word. Do not be deceived. Know God's truth. Know the Bible. I trust and I'm confident that your leadership, as they lead you in the pursuit for your next pastor, are are pursuing a man who will lead you in this, that will lead you to the Word of God, who will challenge you to believe and obey God's Word. If you realize today, and maybe you're thinking to yourself as, as you're hearing these challenges, if you realize today that you've not taken seriously your need to pursue the truth, to pursue the Bible, reading it for yourself, obeying it, shaping your life, your thinking, your speech, your conduct, your, your family life, your friendships, your work by the Word of God, then I, I would suggest that you, you may need to repent of sin the sin of not taking seriously God's Word. You proclaim that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're not a reader of the Word. You may need to repent for negligence, for not reading and obeying God's Word, and I would suggest you do that. This week, I would challenge everyone, commit yourself to reading God's Word. Commit yourself to reading God's Word every day. Go home today. I would, I would challenge you. This is a, a holiday weekend. You may find that you have a little bit of extra time between today and tomorrow afternoon, evening. Go home today and pray and ask for God's wisdom and help and commit yourself to a time each day when you will open the Bible and you will read God's Word. Pray over the truth of God's Word. Read the Word for yourself. Ask for God's help in understanding. God is a joyful giver in giving understanding when He finds a humble child of God who comes before His Word and says, God, help me understand. Help me obey. Pray over the Word of God. Read the Bible. Ask for God's help in understanding and applying His truth to your life. Then obey the truth. Live the truth. Walk in the truth. Love people according to the truth. Guard yourself from drifting from the truth in your thought life, in your speech, in your conduct. Guard yourself. Be serious about this. Guard yourself from people who would deceive you into believing anything in opposition to the Bible. Whatever opposes God's word is a lie. It is not truth. Be certain your life, be certain your family and this church are led by the truth.
of the Bible, God's Word. 